Back in January of 2022, this podcast held its first ever live event. It was a night of conversation with Emmy winner Kevin Spiritus. He not only shared stories and struggles from his time on Broadway and television, but he also sang five songs that evening highlighting the work he's done and the moments that have meant the most to him throughout his career. And so on today's episode, you're going to hear a portion of this cabaret performance and discussion that was presented here in New York City at the Green Room 42. In fact, Broadway World was there that night and called the evening entertaining and informative. They were extremely complimentary of Kevin and his performance and even had a few nice things to say about me. Now, anyone who supports or donates to this podcast will get access to the full audio and video from that night. I mean, it was a rare chance to see Kevin in a candid interview opening up about personal and professional experiences that he doesn't often talk about in public. I am immensely grateful to have shared the stage with Kevin and happy to showcase a portion of our honest and frank conversation. I wasn't getting cast in shows and in roles that I wanted. And in 2014, when I met Michael, I just said, I'm ready to create something that is personal to me and that is something honest. Welcome and thank you for joining me for this special presentation of Why I'll Never Make It, a top 25 theater podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver Jones, an actor and singer talking with fellow creatives about personal struggles and professional hardships with lessons we can all learn from. The website is whyillnevermakeit.com, where you can find out about more live events coming up as well as show your support for this podcast. Again, that's Why I'll Never Make It. So let me set the scene for you on Friday, January 28th at 9.30 p.m. At that time, Omicron was surging. New York City was in the midst of a snowstorm. Yet a small but mighty crowd joined Kevin Spiritus and myself for a wonderfully intimate evening. Here's a sampling of the songs and conversation we had that night. There's a song I must sing It's a well-known song True, the tune is bitter But it doesn't take long to learn I can learn that pretty little word that beams so bright That pretty little world That seems delightful Can burn I can learn Let me
For my podcast, for our interviews, we just kind of talk together. Yeah. So I really appreciate you braving this stage, this format of singing songs, as well as in the winter, talking, right? In the winter, right? in, in the, the dry. Win- I love the winter. winter. I weather. hate the winter. Not too happy with New York right now, but it's okay. Hi, hi, hi New York. Well, I, I will say that I love that song that you opened with, and I do want to pick out one of the lines from it that I really liked. It's uh, "I can see shining somewhere, bright lights somewhere." invite me to come there and learn I'm ready. I love the confidence that's in that, the sentiment, because as we as actors, we, we, we want that feeling. We want that sense of I'm ready, I'm here, I want to learn. And so for you, would you say that that attitude and drive has, has been what's guided you in your own career? Yeah, I, I, th- I think there's um, this thing called, um, I don't know, if something arrests my heart, if something arrests my spirit or my, my eye, I, I'm attracted to it. I, I want to reach it and do that. Um, a chorus line, when it came through St. Louis as a kid, I, I wanted to be in that show. I wanted to sing and dance. I wanted to sing the role I can do that. And somehow, preparedness, meeting opportunity, at 18 years old, here I am in New York, and I get to audition for the tour. And I got it. Right. So I, I guess there is, I, I mean, thank you. Thank you. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I guess um, there's something in me that that drives me to that um, to that thing that I want, that I want to present, perform, experience. It's that combination of luck and intention that kind of guides all of our careers. It, it's a bit of luck. It's a bit of us meeting to do things. Preparedness, meeting opportunity yeah. creates the luck, luck, creates yeah. the uh, yeah <laughs> destiny. Yeah, I mean, because your professional career, as you said, it, that's where it started here in New York, in that, that national tour of Chorus Line. You also have found success in soap operas, of course, Days of Our Lives, 
major motion pictures like the uh, the horror film sequels, which which you the love. King of Slasher <laughs> film sequels, right, uh, right. Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, The New Blood, and The Hills Have Eyes Part Two. Yeah, the original. Yeah, if if it's a part one, not for you. Yeah, only, yeah no, only no, se- after. only sequels, please. only sequels. Only sequels. So. So with all that variety that you've had in your career, like, has it been a conscious decision as you've transitioned between the film, the television, the stage, or has it been just right place, right time? How much of that has been you guiding it yourself? Well, how much time do we have? Um, that was a joke. We have 60 minutes. I know. Um, I, I think, um, <laughs> let's hear for Eugene Gwodes there, by the way. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I think later, in my career, uh, it's been more about me making the decisions. I think as a youngster uh, performing as an actor and as a dancer, I, I went where the work was. Um, if an agent said, I've got this I- audition for you, it's for TV. Oh, great, what's it for? Or it's for stage. Oh, great, what's it for? It was usually, that's what led me. Um, but I think later, uh, as I matured and wanted to do other things, I found different um, ideas that would pop into my head. And we'll talk about it later, I'm sure, with my series. Yeah, 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 because with each of those disciplines comes a different type of acting, a different type of technique. It's a different muscle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How have you bridged each of those as you've gone from television to film, back to stage, and so forth? I've, hopefully I've stayed um, in shape. Um, as, as you can tell this evening, no, um, <laughs> I haven't sung in the cold weather for so long, but, um, I, I think, I think, uh, it, it just takes dedication and it takes, it takes a lot of, um, putting in the work, putting in the hours. Um, I still study acting when I can. I still, uh, I stretch. I don't take dance class anymore. Um, um, uh, and I, and I still practice, uh, singing, you know, I still, keep myself in shape that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not just our physical muscles, mm-hmm. but the acting muscles, the singing muscles. It's, it's, it's all a matter of I think it's tuning also, it. I think it's also what you focus upon becomes your, uh, your life. Uh, that what you focus upon uh, becomes what you are, who you are. Um, if you find yourself around uh, people who are creative and inspiring, you are going to be inspired. You're going to be creative. You're going to stay connected. And that's kind of been my motto for so long. Um, I can do that is my motto. Um, I see something, I, I want to try that out. I find a way to get to it. Um, and if I don't have a clear line, I will find a, I'll find the path. And that determination is one thing that I love about your particular audition story for Boy From Oz. <laughs> there, 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 was, there was such a confidence that you had going into that audition. So I'd, I'd love for you to tell us that story. Oh, God. Um, <clears throat> well... Um, in 2003, I was let go of my role as Dr. Craig Wesley on Days of Our Lives, and I heard about the audition for uh, Boy From Oz to be Hugh Jackman's standby. And I, I love Peter Allen music. He's still, he's my favorite. Um, and that was all my growing up as um, in high school and junior high and early years in New York. It was all Peter Allen music that formed, you know, it was always in the background somewhere in the background. Um, and um, I just knew that they had to cast me. They had to cast me as Jackman's standby. And I don't know why I had this cocky attitude, but I felt that they were not going to find anybody better than me. They just couldn't. 
I flew out here and I sang my little song and they said, thanks, Kevin. That was really great. And I went, thanks, Kevin. That was really great. What are you saying no to? And the casting director looked at me and he said, uh, I said, you're saying no to the fact that I'm not six foot. That's what I, you're saying no to. And they were told they couldn't bring in anybody under six foot. And um, I said, well, let, I'll let you know right now, I'm a grower, not a shower. And, um, <laughs> and uh, I did get called back. And I eventually became uh, Hugh Jackman's standby. Not that I ever went on, yeah. have you? I know, I know. Um, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. But, but what was it like working with Hugh Jackman, you know, watching him night after night? Hugh Jackman is a stellar talent. He is the nicest guy in the world. He is, he's, uh, his heart is open. His, his, his being lets everything in. There was never a problem for Hugh. Uh, something would happen on stage, he would fix it right there. Oh, that's not supposed to happen. Wait, hold on one second, let me fix that. You know, he, the show itself, uh, Breaking the Fourth Wall, of course, I think helped help that out. But he was just always available. And I would watch him and I would study him. And I, I've thanked him. I've written him letters and emails saying, when I get into a jam, I think, what would Jackman do? You know, because he just handled people and handled situations with, with complete love and complete joy. Um, I've never seen him get mad. I've never seen him be cross. Um, he's a good guy. He's, he's a good mate. He really is. <laughs> now, I think in these recent days with the pandemic, swings, understudies, standbys have been vitally important to keeping theater going as we're trying to, to come back from this pandemic. And, and so certainly the role that you played there, even though you didn't go on, I'm so Never sorry. missed a show, Jackman. But, um, uh, but, uh, but, but no, I mean, there are shows right now where actors are calling out. and it's you, mean, the, you mean the year that I was not his standby? Right, He's right. out of the show That's right. uh, in Music Man. Now that you're not out, covering right? him, yeah, everyone's calling out. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's so important what, what standbys and understudies do. Yeah, I mean, I think they are there to support the show no matter what. And um, most, of the, most of the shows on Broadway these days are star you know, driven, but um, there's, a, there's always a lucky break. There's always a time that they make up the show and they slip in and although I don't know about Mr. Jackman, they closed the show when he wasn't in it again in Music Man, so. He seems to have a trend of just never calling out. I think because both he and Sutton were out, they just, they yeah. didn't put the show on that yeah. time, so. so as, as you've stated, you never got to go on for the role of Peter Allen. That, that, that must have been tough to, to just be there ready, but never actually get to perform it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, I knew, my, I knew my job. I knew the reason I was there. It was never to uh, ask to go on. It was never uh, guaranteed that I would go on. But I do know that it was probably one of the greatest years of my life watching him, studying him, hearing how the music was uh, lifted and, and, and celebrated and how Peter's life was celebrated. Um, I, I only have great memories from that show and, and that time being here in New York. And I wasn't a New Yorker then. I was still living in L.A. So I was out That's here right. for a year. At that point, that was the most I'd ever lived out here was a year. So from that experience, what, what's one of your, your takeaways or favorite moments from that? I have two takeaway stories. Um, well, one takeaway is that when I was, uh, the night before I was cast, um, 
or audition. Um, I went out to dinner with Tommy Toon and Lucy Arnaz, and Lucy had us come to her apartment, and she was making, um, um, uh, she was making Cosmos, and she asked everyone, Cosmo, 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 and I said, No, I don't want to drink. I'm, you know, saving my voice, and this went on for about an hour, and she was, Come on, come on, have it, have another one, have another, Kevin, have another one. I said, I don't want to have a Cosmo, and Tommy simply stated, Lucy A. He is here to audition for the standby, to be Hugh Jackman's standby, and the boy from Oz, he doesn't want a Cosmo. And she leaned her head out of her kitchen, and she went, you're going to get the role, have a Cosmo. <laughs> Cut to, I actually stood by for uh, four characters, Jackman's role of Peter, the boyfriend, uh, Judy Garland's husband, and one of the Allen brothers. And the first night I actually, I went on for... Uh, John Hill was out one night, and I went on for Judy Garland's husband. And we finished the number, and there's the people in the front row. And in the second row, in between these two people, is Lucy. And she, she just mouthed to me. <laughs> she knew it. She knew it. So that's, that's our little story she loved to tell. Um, and, uh, and the music. Um, I will never, ever be without uh, Peter Allen music. There's a great... Uh, one of the greatest love songs ever written by um, Peter Allen, Marsha Melamet, and, and Michael Callan. Uh, love Don't Need a Reason. If my heart always did what a normal heart should do, if I always play a part instead of being who, I really am Then I might just miss The one who's standing there So instead of passing by Show the someone that I care Instead of asking Why? Why me and why you? Why not we two? Cause Love don't need a reason Love don't always rhyme And love is all we have for now What we don't have is time If we always believe all the madness that we're taught Never questioning the rules Then we're living lies we bought into so long ago How are we to know? And it's not who's wrong or right No, it's just another way And it's not about a fight It's just I want to stay with you to the end with you my friend cause love don't need a reason love is never a crime love is all we have for now what we don't have is time I'll hold you close, time won't tear us apart I will stand by you It's gotta start with 
beat of one heart together we can see this through cause love don't need a reason love is never a crime and love is all we have for now what we don't have what we That is such a beautiful song. It really is. It really love is. Love don't need a reason. Love is never a crime. I mean, what? Especially today. What we're, I mean, just <laughs> right? like, come on. I th yeah, I think that's a that's a, a testament. That's a that's something that we can all take with us. You know, no matter no matter what time of uh, of our lives we go through. It's also a reminder that we as actors, we certainly need each other. We certainly need others together to see things through, to, to make it through this business. It's the same thing in our personal lives yeah, we, that, that, that we, we need. need yeah, that we need each other. And I know that for myself, there's been times where my career has taken priority. And so I've needed to take jobs for one reason or another. That's my focus. Other times, relationships have been that priority. And Which is the same thing about what leads me, what leads one person to the next, the next job, the next area. Um, Dancing, producing, singing, acting, creating, writing. That's the same, that's the same thing up here you got going. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And and so when it comes to our our personal relationships, then they they guide our careers just as much as our as our talents and yes. wanting to do shows. And has that ever guided you in certain way that a relationship said, I'm now gonna do this or not do this because of a relationship? Uh, personal relationship? Um, no, um, I'm honest. Um, I, and it's, if I pretend yes, then I'm, I'm not being, um, integral to my truth. And I think it's taken a long time for me to actually know that I, I love to tell story. I love to perform. I love to create. And, um, there have been times where it has, it has bumped heads um, horns. Um, but <clears throat> I think in the long run, it's always worked itself out. And I think that communication, of course, is the key part of that. Um, support from your friends, support from your loved ones, support from your parents, you know, all that stuff. It, it, it takes work. And um, the creative spirit, the creative soul is it is a mystery to a lot of people, and um, but to me, I, I I know him, it very well. And you spoke about parents, and that is certainly one of our foundational relationships. When it comes, to, were they supportive of you throughout your your time growing up uh, as you made career choices? Eventually, um, I mean. My dad was a demolition contractor, and um, uh, my mom wanted me to be, he wanted me to go into the family business. My mom wanted me to be a doctor. That was not going to happen. Um, so performing never came up. No, no. Um, but performing came later. Once I proved my success, once I proved my 
my uh, foot was in the door and it was stuck there, um, they started to support. They, they, they love me. They're, they're going to support me. They always have. But I think their image and their picture and their idea for what they wanted their middle son to do was not anything near what I wanted to do. But, but eventually, as you said, they, they came around and then became proud of what you did. Yeah, I mean, I mean they're, they're watching right now, live stream. <laughs> Hello, live streamers. Uh, yeah, they are, yeah. Yeah, and what I, what I love is that you're originally from the St. Louis area. That's where yes. you grew up. And then your very first Broadway show was Meet Me in St. Louis. Actually, it was not my very first Broadway show. Oh. Well, A Chorus Line was my first Broadway show. And then I came back and did Meet Me in St. Louis here. Right. Yes, yeah, so that was my second. Right. And I right. only did it for six weeks. I replaced somebody, and then it closed. Not because I replaced somebody, but... <laughs> See? That's why you couldn't go on in Broy from Oz. They knew it would close. No. Um, no, no, no. But it was... Uh, I, I replaced someone, and it was coming up to the Tonys, and after the Tonys, they went... Mm-hmm. As many shows do. But what, what, was there some excitement, though, in being on that Broadway stage? Have you found it to be a, just a different venue than other stages you've been on? I think Broadway is an idea. I think Broadway is, you know, you're here, you're going to work, you want to be in a Broadway show. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's the top. It's the creme de la creme of theater or, or the West End when you're from England. You know, you want to be at that level. Um, but I've had just as much fun and just as much creativity and just as much um, excitement off-Broadway. And I mean off, off, <laughs> off, way off, way yeah. off, like Vegas off, you know, um, <laughs> like the, like we did Hairspray in Vegas. And it was one of the greatest times in my life. Um, it was a great show. Um, what else have I done off Broadway? Um, oh, I did Bye Bye Birdie at Muni Opera um, in St. Louis, Louis um, right, right. with Tommy Tunin and Ryan King and, um, and uh, oh, Marsha, uh, Marsha Lewis. Oh, God, I love her. Um, yeah, it was a good time. Well, there's one story that we were talking about backstage, and this was to a very small house that you played. So, so I mean, we can have great shows even in those out of the way. It kind of reminds me of this lovely small (laughs) gathering we have here in person. Thank you. I, 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 I I was hired to do my two-act one-man show, Night and Days, about my nights on Broadway and my days on Days of Our Lives, and. I was hired on a Friday night to come to some little podunk town in Kansas. And um, Nina will understand this, um, my friend Nina. There's, there was a theater like the size of the Kiel Opera House, which is 2,000 seats, 1,900 seats, something. It was a lot of seats, 1,200, something. And there were seven people in the audience. Seven people because Halloween was that Sunday, and they used that Friday as their Halloween town party and the homecoming and oh god but i gathered them all down and i said we are gonna have the best show ever and i did every dance i did every song and i think it was probably my best show ever so you're getting my best show tonight folks that's that's right Thank you for joining Kevin and myself in this special episode. Now remember, you can watch and listen to this full night of conversation and song by supporting this podcast through either a donation or subscription. You'll find all the details at whyillnevermakeit.com. Well, as always, I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, in charge of writing, editing, and producing this podcast. The piano accompaniment was provided by Eugene Quotes. 
Why I'll Never Make It is a part of the Helium Radio Network and a member of the Broadway Makers Alliance. And this live event was produced by WinMe Media, LLC. Join me next time as we talk more about Why I'll Never Make It.